I used to always get so tickled at evangelists, they'd start, uh, yeah, back in the days, you had microphones all the time that had cords on them. And so they decided they wanted to have uh, lapel mics, and so they made this big harness that went around the neck and came and sat out here like this, and you put your microphone right here. <clears throat> and the cord would just drape down your leg. <clears throat> and... And the evangelists, they'd start preaching. They'd get tripping all over that cord and fall down in the floor. Everybody thought the Holy Ghost was moving. But they were just getting tripped up in their cords. And, and they'd get up and they'd say, they'd pray the devil out of the cord. And I used to think, the devil ain't in that cord. I'm, I'm going to tell you, the, you just can't keep your feet out of it is all there is to it. I thank the Lord for technology. Amen. Amen. Last week, I started talking about this idea of a new season. Aren't you glad for new seasons? Aren't you glad? I mean, I, I'm, I personally, I cannot wait for fall this year. I, I hope fall starts next week and lasts all the way to December the 24th. And then all of a sudden, it turns ice cold frigid on, on, on Christmas Eve. And we get a lot of snow. I'm not going to define how much. Because if I do, some of you will hold me accountable for that. I just want snow on Christmas Eve. Then Christmas Day. And then after Christmas Day, I'm ready for fall to come back. Amen? How many of you join me and let's pray that way this year? No, I'm just kidding. I like new seasons. And I like new spiritual seasons as well. I'm thankful that I'm not the same individual that I was when I started serving the Lord so many years ago. I'm thankful that the Lord has brought me through several seasons in my life and has planted my feet on solid ground and that I am where I am today because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have fallen many times, but thank God the righteous man, though he may fall seven times, He'll just get right back up because it's in his nature to be an overcomer. Amen. So we are overcomers through Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to continue the thought today. And if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 3. Now, I'm going to warn you, for some of you old-time King James people, I, I'm not using King James today. And... I'm not even going to use ESV today. I'm going with a version that is known as the HCSB. And uh, I, I like the way that it brings it out, and I'm going to use it this morning. But if you don't have it, don't worry about it. It'll be all right. The Holy Spirit will bring us all together, no matter what translation that you have, and we will receive the revelation of God's Word today. But I got to thinking about this whole idea of new season. And last week, my goodness, didn't, didn't we have a service around here? Didn't we have a celebration? It, it was funny. We, we, uh, for those of you who weren't there, we took my jacket and let it act as uh, Elijah's uh, mantle. And, and we smacked the devil around with it a little bit. And uh, Sister Judy, uh, who works at the, the, the dry cleaner, she said, you may need for me to clean that. There's been an awful lot of hands on that jacket this this week I said, yeah, we'll have to do that. But somebody texted me late that night and said, I wanted to know if my jacket had survived since everybody had beat the Satan out of it yesterday, or last week. So um, it, it did survive, although it will need to be cleaned and pressed. But we had, we had a wonderful time. And we did something in the flesh to confirm what we learned in the spirit. And that is is that the Lord God of Elijah became the Lord God of Elisha, and the Lord God of Elisha is our God too. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? The same power, in fact, let me just venture out here on a limb, greater power than what they had is available to us because the Holy Spirit resides within us every day of our lives, 24 hours a day. There's never a time that we are outside of the presence of God because he lives in us. His spirit dwells within us. So we are always armed for the battle when the enemy comes against us. But I, I got to thinking that as wonderful as that was, when the anointing comes upon us, it ought to do more than just produce a resolution to a current situation. 
it, it ought to, in fact, change us. It ought to produce something new in us. In fact, I want to say it like this. A new season should produce a new atmosphere and a new attitude. When the anointing of God lives in you, something ought to change. Can you say amen? So today I want us to look at chapter 3 in 2 Kings, and we're going to talk about that today. Joram, son of Ahab, became king over Israel in Samaria during the 18th year of Judah's king Jehoshaphat and reigned 12 years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight, but not like his father and mother, for he removed uh, the sacred pillar of Baal his father had made. Nevertheless, Joram clung to the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nabat, had caused Israel to commit. He did not turn away from them. King Mesha of Moab was a sheep breeder. He used to pay the king of Israel 100,000 lambs and the wool of 100,000 rams. But when Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So King Joram, Joram excuse me, marched out from Samaria at that time and mobilized all of Israel. Then he sent a message to King Jehoshaphat of Judah. The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me and fight against Moab? Jehoshaphat said, I will go. I am as you are, my people as your people, and my horses as your horses. Then he asked, which route should we take? Joram replied, the route of the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel the king of Judah, and the king of Edom set out. After they had traveled their indirect route for seven days, they had no water for the army or for their animals. And then the king of Israel said, Oh no, the Lord has summoned these three kings only to hand them over to Moab. But Jehoshaphat said, Isn't there a prophet of the Lord here? Let's inquire of Yahweh through him. And one of the servants of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Japhat, who used to pour water on Elijah's hands, he is here. Jehoshaphat affirmed, The Lord's words are with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went to him. However, Elisha said to King Joram, of Israel, we have nothing in common. Go to the prophets of your father and your mother. But the king of Israel replied, No, because it is the Lord who has summoned these three kings to hand them over to Moab. And Elisha responded, As the Lord of hosts lives, I stand before him. If I did not have respect for King Jehoshaphat of Judah, I would not even look at you. I wouldn't take notice of you. Now, bring me a musician. While the musician played, the Lord's hand came upon Elisha. And then he said, this is what the Lord says. Dig ditch after ditch in this wadi or valley. For the Lord says, you will not see wind you will not see rain, but the wadi will be filled with water. And you will drink, you and your cattle and your animals. This is easy in the Lord's sight. He will also hand Moab over to you. Then you must attack every fortified city and every choice city. You must cut down every good tree and stop up every spring of water. And you must ruin every good piece of land with stones. About the time for the grain offering the next morning. Can you say the next morning? Water suddenly came from the direction of Edom and filled the land. 
And all Moab had heard that the kings had come up to fight against them. So all who could bear arms from the youngest to the oldest were summoned and took their stand at the border. And when they got up early in the morning, the sun was shining on the water and the Moabites saw that the water across from them was red like blood. This is blood, they exclaimed. The kings have clashed swords and killed each other. So on to the spoil, Moab. However, can you say however? When the Moabites came to Israel's camp, the Israelites attacked them and they fled from them. So Israel went into the land and struck down the Moabites. They destroyed the cities and each of them threw stones to cover every good piece of land. They sopped up every spring of water and cut down every good tree. And in the end, only the buildings of Kahariseth were left. The men with slings surrounded the city and attacked it. Father, thank you for your word today. As I always do, I ask you to help me to communicate effectively your word. Not my word, not my opinions, not what I think about a matter, but Lord, what your word clearly declares to us. I believe there's power in your word. And I believe that there are men and women in this house today that are ready for a new season. I believe that last week was, was that reset point in their life that would usher them into a new season. Help us today to discover that new seasons represent much more than just miracles and signs and wonders about specific instances and circumstances. But your anointing changes us. Lord, let us get that in our spirit today. I give you the praise and the glory for all that will be accomplished today. For I ask it in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. Amen. I've been serving the Lord a long time now. I, I know that I don't look old at all. Uh, I look very young and, 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 and all of that. But I'm, I'm 57 years old. And I've been, I've been walking with Jesus a very long time. And, and I'm so thankful that through the years I have learned how to relax and rest in Jesus. There are some things that 20 years ago would have upset me that just don't upset me anymore. I don't say that with a braggadocious spirit. I just say I've learned how to trust in the Lord. I've learned how to believe that he is able to do what needs to be done in any given situation. The anointing that I may have struggled with early on in ministry is now different for me because it has changed me and I've learned to trust him. So today I want us to talk about Elisha and I want us to talk about how that this transition from the ministry of Elijah has now affected Elisha and changed him. There are five things that I want to share with you this morning that we see being manifested in the life of Elisha and, and, and bring, brought about a change in the way that he did things. So first of all, the very first one is, is that Elisha was known to be a humble servant. Now, what I want to point out is, is that when these kings got together and decided they were going to go to war, they got themselves in trouble because they did not inquire of the Lord prior to going into battle. And so now that they have found themselves in this predicament, they want to know what the Lord has to say about it. And so they start asking, well, who should we ask? Aren't there some prophets around here? Surely there has to be a prophet of the Lord that we can inquire concerning this situation. We can inquire about this situation. And so they started talking about this man, Elisha. But it's interesting to me that they didn't recall the miracles that he had performed. He didn't recall, they didn't recall what had been accomplished even in chapter 2, which is what we talked about last week. But what they remembered was the, the, the characteristics of this prophet and this man and how he operated in the realm of the spirit. Now, we remember uh, the, 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 the scripture says in verse 11, notice it says, he was the prophet who poured water on the hands of Elijah. 
That's all they could think of to say about Elisha is that he was a servant to Elijah. They didn't talk about the miracles. They just said he was a servant. Now, if we go back to chapter 2, you know the story. God met with Elijah on the mountain, and he said, one of the last things that I want you to do is to appoint a new king, and I want you to appoint Elisha to be the one who will replace you. Now, the way that we read Scripture, it just goes from story to story to story to story, and we sometimes get in our head that things happened in 30 seconds or less. Unless we think that when Elijah went to Elisha and anointed him to be his replacement, that the next day this all took place. But, but history reveals that Elisha served Elijah for 10 years before he was ever released into his own ministry. He served him and washed his hands for 10 years before God ever released the the mantle of Elijah into the hands of Elisha. I I really get tickled at young young ministers sometimes. They got this... They got this fire in their bones and they want to preach and they feel called and, and I'm, I'm ready to go. And I, I remember when I was serving on staff with a, a great pastor and I, I, you know, I've told you this story before. I was young and, and green behind the ears and all that kind of stuff. And I, I'd been praying, oh God, I want to be used by you. Oh God, will you open the doors for us? Oh God, oh God. And I, I went into his office one day and I said, pastor, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to pastor. And he, he He just looked at me for a minute and shook his head and he said, sit down. He said, you are not ready to pastor. He said, I would never attend your church. You are not ready, but I will help you get ready. You know, some of the greatest times in my life have been spent when I put myself under submission to a godly mentor who could speak into my life, who could say things that I gave them permission to say and helped me become the man that I am today and the minister that I am today. Now, some of you may be thinking you needed a little more work, but uh, I'm doing the best I can at this point. But what I'm saying is, is that Elisha understood that rather than just going out and, and, and splitting the waters, uh, which he did in chapter 2, and, and rather than just uh, going uh, to the prophets and, and saying to them, don't bother looking for Elijah because he's not here. You remember the story last week when the prophets came and said, oh, he, maybe he's not gone. Maybe God just picked him up from this place and put him over here and put him on the other side of the mountain. And Elijah said, or Elijah said, don't bother going and looking. He's not here. But they just kept on and kept on and kept on until finally he said, well, just to satisfy your curiosity, go ahead and look. And they went and looked for three days. And when they came back after their three-day journey, they said to Elisha, we can't find Elijah. And he said, I told you so. God was confirming his ministry. And then they came and they said, the waters are bitter. And he said, go get me a new bowl. And they brought him a new bowl and bring me some salt. And he put some salt in the bowl. And then he took the salt out of the bowl and put it into the water. And he said, this is what the Lord God of Israel says. No longer will there be death in this water. And no longer will this water produce miscarriage among the women of Israel. And then he moves on and you know he's walking to town and the boys come out of the young men and they start calling him names like Baldy and Baldy, why don't you go away and Baldy this and Baldy that. And if he'd have had a concealed carry permit, he might have taken them out himself, but he didn't do that. He just said, I curse you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. And whatever God decides to do with you, that's up to him. And the scripture tells us that two female bears came down out of the hills and mauled 42 of them. So you would think when it came time for that question to be asked, isn't there a prophet close by that we can inquire of. 
you would have thought that they would have said, oh, Elisha, he's the man. Elisha made the waters clean. Elisha had the young men mow. Elisha, Elisha, Elisha. He has the, the mantle of God. He declared, where is the God of Elisha? Elisha is the one. But that's not what they said about him. They said Elisha is the one who washed Elijah's hands for 10 years. Can you believe that? Now, let me tell you, if you want to be effective in the kingdom of God and get where God wants you to be, I will guarantee you it will include serving someone. We in America, we have, we have put everyone on a pedestal. Buy my new book. I, I was just thinking the other day. I was watching on TV this preacher. He was preaching. I mean, he was spitting all over everybody. Preaching. Getting down on it. And they stopped in the middle of the sermon so that they could cut to a commercial. We know that you want to buy his brand new book that includes part of this session for $12.95. And, uh, and, and, you know, and I'm thinking, Really? I don't want your book. I want to hear what you had to say. And they cut back. And go into town and then they cut away for another commercial. I just wonder how many people in this church would continue to come here if every Sunday about, I preach about 10 minutes and then stop and say, Sister Dorothy, would you come up and plug my new book? I'd buy, I need to sell about 10 of them today and, you know, to get them paid for and and then you get done, and then I come back and preach a little bit more, and then I stop and say, Brother Bill, will you come up and tell them what, what a blessing this book has been to you, you know. And, and don't forget this week to log in to www.robbaker.com and get all of it. <laughs> Only thing they could say at that point was, he's the guy that served Elijah, poured water on his hands. Listen, let me tell you, church, we need to get back to the place where we say, Lord, if you can use anything, you can use me. Lord, if there's anything that I can do on behalf of the kingdom of God, Lord, if there's any talent that I have, I give it back to you. I place it back in your hand. Lord, whatever it is that you need, if I need to push a broom, Lord, if I need to mop a floor, Lord, if I need to empty trash cans, if I need to take care of the nursery and change poopy diapers once a month, Lord, if I need to teach in this class or help with children's church, Lord, whatever it is that you need me to do, I will serve you. He was the one who poured water on the hands of Elijah. The second thing that I want you to notice is that we see that he was a reliable messenger. Look at verse 12 in chapter 3 of 2 Kings. They said the word of the Lord was with him. Now let me explain to you what this means. When he says the word of the Lord was with him, that word with there indicates that it is connected to him in such a way that he is never without the word. He is always in the word. The word is in him. Let me tell you, you want victory in your life? The best way that I know to tell you to get victory in your life is to get your face in the word of God and then let the word of God get in you. You get in the word and let the word get in you and it will change your life. Here's what they were saying about Elisha. They were saying it doesn't matter what he's facing. It doesn't matter what time of the day it is. It doesn't matter what he's up against. Uh, he always responds to the situation and the circumstance based on what the word of God has to say about that situation. He never guesses. Uh, he never has to wonder. He always knows uh, that this is what I need to understand uh, from the word about this situation. The word of God is in him. When Jesus went through his temptation and the devil came against him and tempted him, the Lord answered back to him and said, this 
is with what the Lord says. This is what the Word says. Some of you can be victorious because you don't know what the Word says. I'm not trying to be mean, but you can't overcome if you don't know what the overcomer has to say about your circumstance. But once you know what the overcomer has to say about your circumstance, then it does not matter what the devil says, and it doesn't matter what your husband or your wife says. It doesn't matter what your employer says. The only thing that matters is what does the Lord say about this situation? We make decisions, and then after we've made the decision, we say, well, I should have asked God about that before I ever did that. Good wisdom, but it came too late. You see, we've got to position ourselves with the Word of God. It is in us. And when circumstances come, man, the Word of God just begins to boil up in us. Like a river of living water, it flows up and says, oh, I know this looks bad, but this ain't nothing for the Lord. Did you catch that one statement in chapter 3 where the prophet says, oh, this is easy for the Lord. This is easy for him. There's nothing hard about this whatsoever. He was already anticipating this, and he has already released the anointed word that will bring you through to victory. They said the word of the Lord is in him. I don't have to wonder about whether it's the word of the Lord or not because God confirms his word. God confirms his word. I, 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 I almost got myself in, in trouble last week talking about all these preachers and they want to prophesy about everything. I prophesy this and I prophesy that and I, I just want you to know what's coming and here it is. But we don't ever know whether it happened or not. There's no way to confirm whether or not the prophecy came true. And the scripture says, if someone prophesies and it does not come true, that you are to mark them as a false prophet and they are not of God. Are we doing that? Are we using discernment as we listen to those voices that speak into our lives? I like it when you challenge me. I like it when you come to me and say, now, Pastor, I know you said this and this and this, but I'm not sure I can't find that anywhere. Oh, man, it just gives me the opportunity to sit down with you and say, just let me show you a thing or two here in the Word of God. I, you know now, you come to me, I'm not going to shoot from the CNN and Fox News and MSNBC. I'm not going to tell you uh, what the, 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 the latest trend in parenting is. I'm going to tell you this is what the Word of the Lord says it's the only thing that we have to stand upon let every man be a liar but let the word of the Lord stand forever I ought to calm down just a little bit shouldn't I he was a reliable messenger they knew that the word of the Lord was in him when it came out of his mouth they knew that it was going to be consistent with the will of God. And because it was consistent with the will of God, it would be confirmed by the signs and the wonders. I'm going deep now. <laughs> we think that these signs and wonders are supposed to come and do something in us that only the word will confirm when it, when it is in accordance with his word. Listen, if you're not doing what the book says, you can't ask God to confirm what is unconfirmable. You can't ask God to heal your marriage when you're out running around with somebody else. You can't say, Lord, help me love my wife. When you're going down to the bar and looking at all the other women. 
You can't ask God to bless your finances. Start talking about money, it always gets real deep, doesn't it? You can't ask God to touch your finances and promote you at work and promote my spouse at work when you're not doing what his word says and you're being generous with your tithing and with your giving. You can't. See, the word of God will not confirm what is unconfirmable. Take a deep breath. God will confirm in our lives everything that needs to be confirmed when we are in line with the principles of God's word. I've been here six years. About eight years ago, the Lord spoke to me in my office and said, the church you pastor, I wasn't even pastoring. I was in the state office. The church you pastor will be a church that is pure, that is prayerful, that does what the scripture says and obeys the precepts of the word of God. It will be a church that explodes in praise and it will be a church that reaches out to people who need to hear a message of hope. For six years I've been telling you that is what the Lord is building here. He's not building some fancy, cutting edge, trendy ministry. He's interested in people are pure and holy and pray and follow the precepts of the word and praise him in the midnight hour and reach out to those who are in need. That's what God is building around here. Wow. He was a reliable messenger. Thirdly, Elisha was bad to the bone. Yeah, it's actually in my notes that way. Bad to the bone. Let me tell you something. I'm sick and tired of churches and pastors and preachers watering down the word of God. Who won't say... You need to get saved. We might offend people. Listen, the word says you need to get saved. Which means that you need to be rescued out of this worldly system and placed into a heavenly system that will change your life. I want to bring my friends to church on a day when, when pastor's not going to spit on them. I want him to feel, I want them to feel relaxed and at home. I don't. I want you to squirm in your seat when you know that you're not living like you ought to be living before the Lord because the Lord's not going to ask me when I stand before him, did you keep everybody happy, son? Did you grow a big church? Did you do? No, he's going to say, were you faithful to my word? And so they call Elisha. You say, where do you, where do you get all this? They call Elisha. And they bring Elisha. In verses 13 and 14. And they said, we want to hear. And here's what Elisha says. Bad to the bone now. He says, he says, what in the world do I have to do with you? He said, go to the prophets of your fathers and go to the prophets of your mother and ask them. And then he says, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand. Were it not that I have regard to, king, to Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would neither look at you or, I would, or see you. He said, when you guys go home tonight, you better thank God for Jehoshaphat. Because I don't give a rip about any of the rest of you. You say, well, that wasn't very gracious. His Old Testament grace hadn't come yet. 
He said, listen, I don't give a diddly rip about any of you except Jehoshaphat, but because of Jehoshaphat, I'm going to seek the Lord on your behalf. Elisha just stood right up in their face. Let me tell you something in the name of the Lord. He didn't back down. He wasn't no sissy. He not some, some, wear, some prophet wearing a dress. He stood right up in their face. He said, let me tell you something. I don't even have anything in common with you. I don't have anything that would draw me to you. But for Jehoshaphat's sake, I am going to seek the name of the Lord and the word of the Lord for you. Listen, America, it's time for us to stand up again. I'm telling you, it's time for us to let our voices be heard. I'm not saying we have to blow off and blow up every time something happens, but we better find ourselves grounded in the word of God and refuse to back down from it. And we need to make sure that America knows that our answer is not going to be found in any presidential candidate, but our answer will be found in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I'm not just trying to stir you up and make your blood boil. But listen, we're going to have to live in this forsaken, sin-filled world as long as there's life in our body. But we've got a power in us that will enable us to be victorious in every situation. So don't you get down and discouraged. Don't you, oh God, I don't know, I don't know. Oh yeah, I know. I know that the Bible says when you start to hear these kinds of things and wars and rumors of war and nations rising against nations and don't get down, don't get discouraged. No, you lift your eyes toward the eastern sky because the Lord Jesus Christ is soon to come again. I'm ready. I'm ready. Elisha was bad to the bone. He didn't back down to anybody. Number four. Elisha was spiritually sensitive. <laughs> Can I tell you that there are some people that when they want to give me advice, I don't want to hear what they have to say to me. I really don't. Because I see the fruit in their lives. And I like a different kind of fruit. I don't want you to try to tell me how to live if you're less spiritual than I am. You understand? I'm not mad at you. What I'm trying to say is bring yourself up a little higher, get a little bit deeper. Step into the water. Wait out a little bit deeper. Wet your feet in the water of his love. Oh, step into the water. Wait out a little bit deeper. Come join angels singing praises to the Lamb of God. Some of you never even had your big toe wet and you want to tell me how to live. <laughs> Jump off the deep end, brother. Drop off. Jump off the, the deep end. Don't go in the shallow end. Jump in the deep end. Then I might listen to what you have to say. Listen, we got to be spiritually sensitive. Elisha knew that he was not ready to give the word from the Lord. He could have given his opinion. He could have told them what he thought about the situation. But he didn't know what God thought about the situation. That's the reason I don't understand preachers. They just come up to the pulpit and they say, Hi, how you doing? My name's Brother Bucky. I ain't prayed. 
I ain't sought God, didn't study. I didn't bring my lunch in a bag. Because the Lord told me when I got here, he'd tell me what to say. I'm still waiting. Ha! <laughs> okay! <laughs> if I had to preach like that, I'd be scared half to death every day of my life. I have a responsibility to God and for you to go to him and study and prepare myself so that when I come, I'm not just shooting marbles with you. I'm here to declare a word from the Lord over you. And if you will take it and receive it and activate it in your life, it will change your life. Not because I said it. Not because Brother Bucky said it, but because the word of the Lord has been declared. He said, go get me a musician. Most scholars believe that what he asked for was a harpist to come and play. It it dawned on me this week. You know, we get excited about Elisha getting the word of the Lord, but can you imagine being that harpist? Woo! Elisha has called for me. I'm going to play like I ain't never played before. I'm going to play in minor chords and minor keys. I'm going to have diminished chords. And I'm going to play like I've never played before because the word of the Lord coming to Elisha is dependent upon the atmosphere that I'm about to set. Amen. And he started playing. And he started setting the atmosphere. And it was in that atmosphere that the word of the Lord came to Elisha. That's the reason why praise and worship is so important. That's the reason when we come into the house of the Lord, we come prepared. I wonder if they'll sing that song I like. I wonder if it'll be too loud. I wonder if it'll be too soft. I wonder if it'll be contemporary. I wonder if it'll be gospel. Wonder if it'll be Southern gospel. Wonder, 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 wonder. Wonder how long preacher's gonna preach today. Wonder if he's gonna spit on somebody. Wonder if he'll sweat. Wonder if he'll roll his pants up because he thinks he's being cubed. <laughs> we got our minds on everything. Where we gonna eat? Fried chicken, fried chicken. Got our minds on everything. But what is God going to say to me today? I don't care what else happens. I don't care if the pastor can't play very well. I don't care what song they sing. I've got a laser focus upon God today. The only thing that I've got on my mind is coming in with thanksgiving and praise and setting an atmosphere for my soul so that the Lord God of heaven can speak clearly to me. What about Monday? And what about Tuesday? And what about Wednesday? What's the atmosphere that we're setting? We get up in the morning, turn TV on. We get in our car and we turn on the radio. Let all this stuff flood in. Listen, I'm not against secular stuff. I'm not against, we live in this world, but there are some things that I don't need to put in my soul because it will eventually affect my spirit and keep me from being everything that God intends for me to be. So ask yourself, what's going in these ears? What's entering into these eyes? Is it affecting the atmosphere? And then finally today, I'm about ready to quit. Look at your neighbor and say, praise God. My computer went off. So I could have done it anyway. It's right here. 
Elisha was prophetically accurate. He was prophetically accurate. You know, many times when the Lord speaks to us and tells us to do something, it's very difficult for us to do in the flesh. Because what God wants is to take us out of the fleshly realm and put us in the spiritual realm so that we can connect with all that God wants to do. God will not tie himself down to natural processes. He created the natural processes. And if he has to change the natural process in order to loose and release the spiritual process in your life, he will do it. I don't know about that, Pastor. Well, if you'll just sit tight long enough, I'm going to show you where he did it. You better come start playing because I'm I'm just going to keep on going. You say, preacher, why did we take that coat last week and smack a chair with it? Why? I've never seen that in the Bible ever at all. Because sometimes we have to do something in the flesh to get us ready for what God's about to do in the spirit. We live our spiritual lives in a fleshly body. And so we have to either let the flesh have control or we have to let the spirit have control. My Lord, I didn't know the whole army was coming today. This is good today, isn't it? They're serious about me quitting. just a minute. Verse 20. Elisha has prophesied. He's already told them what's getting ready to happen. He said, you need to go out and dig ditches because there there wasn't a cloud in the sky. There wasn't any water anywhere. The, The valley was dry. No water anywhere. And he said to them, go dig ditches. He said, not a few ditches. Fill this valley with ditches. I know some people that would have said, I ain't going to do it. It doesn't make no sense to me. Most of what God will ask you to do will make no common sense to you. But if you'll do it, it will make spiritual sense to you. You know what he was asking them to do? There was a dry bed in the valley. Had no water. And And Elisha saw in the spirit... That there was going to be so much water coming. He said, you won't see wind. He said, you won't see rain. You won't see in the natural anything that is happening in the spiritual. But you have to prepare in the natural for, the, for what's getting ready to happen in the supernatural. He said, I want you to fill this valley with ditches because the water's coming. And if you don't make ditches, the water The miraculous provision of God will just flow through the valley and will not meet your need because it will not stop. It will continue to flow. You have to build ditches so that the overflow of the water can go into the ditches and after the flood is gone, there will be provision in the ditches to meet your need. Fill this valley with ditches. Verse 20. And about the time for the grain offering, the next morning, water suddenly came from the direction of Edom and filled the land. No rain, no wind, no storm, just water. But here's something you may not know. The water, based on the geography of the land, should have never been able to come from Edom. It had to run uphill. Are you you getting it? (laughs) For water to come from Edom, it had to run uphill. And God says, 
This ain't no problem for me. It's easy. If I have to tilt the earth just a little bit, it'll be all right. Because I can set it back when I need to. But I ain't about to let no natural law keep me from doing what I need to do in the supernatural. And when they got up the next morning, about the time of the grain offering, they looked and water was coming from Edom. It was flowing from west to east when it normally should have flowed from north to south. God said, I will send the water. I will fill this valley. I will fill the ditches. There will be more than enough provision for you if you will dig the ditches and do what I'm requiring you to do. No ditch, no provision. Many ditches, much provision. He prophesied accurately. I don't know if I believe all that stuff. Well, then just go on with your bad self. Just keep living the way that you're living. It don't get any better. It's just going to keep getting worse for you. But let me tell you something. If you're man enough or if you're woman enough to say it doesn't matter if I can believe it or understand it, if God says it, that's all I need. I'm going to trust it. I'm going to believe it. I'm going to walk in victory. He prophesied accurately. Let me tell you, God always tells you the truth. set you free. Stop trying to set yourself free. I can't do it anymore. I used to be able to go put my feet through there. My hands come back on the outside. Pretend like they're back there, will you? Stop trying to create your own way. Set yourself free. And just say, Lord, as dumb as it seems to me in my flesh, today, I'm just going to trust you. And I'm going to believe you. I'm going to take you at your word this anointing that comes to me today it's not going to be a hit and miss it's not going to just be a reset moment but Lord it's going to be something that happens in me internally changes me for the rest of my life will you stand